When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everyone, to Rock and Nation Podcast. This is a brand new episode of Dive Cuts, an SB Nation College Top 10 Podcast. We are uh, on Season 5, Episode uh, 36. Sheesh. The season finale. Uh, and we are here to talk the season finale of Season 5. Uh, we are here to talk about your Missouri Tigers and all their uh, all their basketball happenings. I am your host. Sam Telling with me as always from the plains of Indiana, Matthew J. Harris. Matt, how are you? I'm fine. I feel like our podcast is going to be the inverse of whatever Nate and BK had to do last week when they were talking about misses. We don't have that problem. We don't have that problem. <laughs> Nothing but hits. Yep, yep, or or, or potential hits. So uh, it's it's rare after last basketball season, but we're the optimistic podcast for right now. <laughs> but not for long um That's... yeah until they start playing mm-hmm. basketball um no it, like it's i i would say so we're coming off the heels i mean off the heels last time we recorded uh trent pierce had not uh committed to missouri now he has um but i feel like this is as good of a start to the 2023 class that really like like Dennis Gates could have asked for if you if you think about it. now granted I mean I, I'm sure some of you are like hey a five star big would have been better um, you know but you got sort of like a high ceiling uh, sort of scoring combo guardy type guy um, good enough ball handler can kind of become a point guard uh, and then you have sort of like your prototypical wing forward type you know so you're starting off and 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 Pierce being like a top 100 kid. Um, apparently like still growing he says he's like 6'10 now like that i mean that's awesome uh, i can just imagine yeah. uh teams trying to score like on him and aiden shaw in a couple of years like it's gonna make things difficult um so yeah like a really good start to the class you have any any thoughts just on the general part of that yeah i think we came out of june sort of saying you know we got to see what the board looks like they've done a good job piecing it together and the Robinson pickup, like we said last time, made sense. There was a long-term relationship there. Um, CY, you know, had been in the mix there for quite a bit. And this staff, I think, early on has shown that if it gets guys on campus, it, it's really good at closing. And I, I think the Robinson commitment reinforced that and also the Pierce commitment um, as well. So, that's something that, that that you like to see is guys getting here, guys having a good experience, and then shutting it down in short order. Uh, that we'll see how that continues, you know, outside of just the spring and summer. But early on, this staff has gotten priority guys on campus. They've done a good job, you know, winning that argument for lack of a better term over other suitor or other suitors and and shutting guys down. So Pierce kind of reinforced that, and we can get into it you know, a little bit more there kind of on how the recruitment unfolded, but this is a kid that, you know, Missouri, I don't think was really seriously on until early May. And, you know, to basically go from, you know, zero to committed in eight to 10 weeks is, is damn quick and it's damn good work, you know, for a staff. So I, I think that's the thing that's heartening. But yeah, especially for like, you know, like that, that level yeah. of a kid, I mean, you know, if, a kid with options, a kid who, uh, you know, by by all accounts, you know, had a long-standing relationship with Oklahoma State and with Minnesota. Um, I think those two are kind of considered the the prime contenders for his services up until you know Missouri kind of got in. And so, uh, when when you're sort of considering the fact that Missouri was able to close in that short order um, with what I think you know people would sort of reasonably consider peer schools. Um, you know, the sort of, uh, you know, more middle of the pack uh, power conference.
conference teams right now. Um, you know, I, I, I think that that's sort of how you want uh, a new staff to kind of get their foothold in and, and to kind of be able to, to go up. You know, we know like Mike Boynton has, has proven that he's a heck of a recruiter. I think the, you know, Jerry's still out on, on Ben Johnson of Minnesota, but um, I mean, he's certainly proved himself as an assistant. Uh, different thing recruiting as a head coach, but but this is a really really sort of nice first, yeah. Because it's like you said, the relationship was long existing with Cy and uh, and Robinson, but but for them to shut it down so quickly is is really impressive. Yeah, and you know, not to dance on the last staff's you know grave or or sort of you know go too far back. Oh, do it, do it. But you know the inability to like close guys quickly once they got on campus, I think really became something that you could really kind of knock the last staff on. You know, they would get, I'm looking at the 2020 class where they would get an EJ or a 2019 class that get EJ Liddell on campus. Couldn't even move the needle there to get that off Ohio state. Got Caleb Lovin did a great job hosting. Didn't really make a dent in, in flipping or changing his mind away from UNC. They had some other guys that I think over the last couple of years have gotten here, at least high level guys. And, you know, they'll leave and it's like, okay, they've, they've hosted them, but the farther you get away from that visit, the less impact that really has. That's your moment to sell it and to close it. And, you know, we'll see again, this staff, you know, as it sort of ups its sights in 24 and 25, if it can have a similar kind of hit rate, but, to get Trent Pierce on campus, you know, on June 28, you know, then within, you know, nine days, have him say, hey, I'm, you know, or have him release the top six. And then within a couple of days after that, say, I'm shutting it down. And realistically, you know, I think there was a feeling like when he announced that, that, okay, this is an Oki State, Minnesota type deal. And then by that Monday, it was, no, this is, this is going to be Missouri. That's, that's really, really good to do that. Um, we we can talk about him on the floor a little bit, but I think just the optics of a staff coming in and and winning a battle against, like you said, two peer programs. And I think realistically, you know, maybe it's a toehold into a Metro that occasionally puts out really good talent in Tulsa as well. That that's kind of an underrated aspect of this too. And it may help with a couple other kids in this class too. But I, I think that's just the biggest thing here is to see, staff get a priority prospect on campus close it down and you know be able to really i think lock in two key positions in this class is really really sort of you know induces some optimism right now so let's talk about uh pierce a little bit as a player you've watched uh, a healthy amount of of pierce in full games um they're probably going to be maybe some more extensive sort of <laughs> scouting breakdowns in the future. Uh, but, you know, very quickly, you know, like we, and we've talked about how he's, he is more of a traditional wing. Um, he's a guy who uh, is going to defend and, and really does play around the perimeter a lot. Um, you know, r- reportedly still growing all that kind of stuff, which is, which is great. Um, but in, initial takes here, uh, how he kind of, you know, fits with what we thought they might be trying to do with their roster. And again, like you kind of pointed out on, on Slack, it's like it's really going to be more helpful when we actually see uh, a Dennis Gates-led Missouri basketball team play so we can sort of see what they're trying to do offensively and defensively and all that kind of stuff. But, but he certainly checks a lot of the boxes for what we right now assume uh, Missouri will be. Yeah, uh- you know, you watch him with when he was with Tulsa Union. Um, he's not going to be there. He's going to be at a prep school in Arizona this coming season. But you watch him with Tulsa Union, and you watch him with Team Griffin. He is a straight wing, um, a straight three. And if you're doing the numbering system, an off-ball type player. Like it, we talk a lot about holding corners or holding weak side slots. That's his job. Like so, he's on the opposite side of the you know on-ball action, and you know he'll interchange a little bit over there but his job is really to hold that weak side defender um so you don't really see him a ton in off ball movement you don't see him like coming off pin downs or staggers or stuff his job is to sort of play off there and and sort of catch and make plays off the catch um 
at least in EYBL play, like 40% of his shot attempts are three balls, a lot coming from the opposite corner. So you're really needing that guy to keep the floor spaced um, out a lot. Now, when he's in high school, um, he can play a little bit off the bounce. Sometimes if he's in that kind of slot position up to the top of the key, kind of that little top of the arc area, he'll catch and he'll get to a one dribble pull up at the elbow or to the nail a little bit. Um, when he attacks the rim, a lot of it is in transition. Usually he'll get out and run the wings. You know, we talk about transition offense. He's a wide runner. He'll get out and sort of make plays there. Um, does a little bit of stuff, kind of what I would say is spackle. You know, he can cut a little bit out of that corner. If he, if you know, if you get, you know, a strong side drive from the wing, he can cut along the vacated baseline if somebody helps up. He can get on the glass. He's got a ton of length, um, so he can come in and rebound a little bit for you. But his his bread and butter is going to be, at least right now, shot making. So I, I think that's kind of the deal you're looking at here is, you know, the foundation for his game is kind of, kind of as a three and D prospect. Um, hasn't shot it well this summer. You know, I think I'm looking at the numbers right now. Um, at least in July, he's shooting just 39% from the floor. He's five of 38 from three point range. There's a caveat there. We can get into that if you want, but, um, <laughs> he, he's scoring in transition. He's scoring off some cuts. He's getting on the glass. Um, he's hitting some jumpers, uh, kind of some long twos in the EYBL game, but, you know, he's sound defensively. He can switch two to four, um, you know, rebounds well for his position. I think he's got like a 14% defensive rebound rate, which is good for his size on the wing. So there's a lot of stuff there. The real question right now is, is if the shot tool pans out and what that looks like. And we can talk about why the numbers are the way they are right now, but that's sort of the, the loose scout on him right now at this point. Yeah. And, We've talked uh, a lot in the past um, on this pod and in, at, at the site as well on on sort of you know projecting good shooters and guys who you would anticipate to be good shooters. It doesn't always pan out, but there are certain you know mechanics that you look for, um, and I I believe he has those mechanics. I mean, he has a pretty solid shot pocket. His his sort of journey from you know from catch to release seems pretty. Uh, tight for the most part, you know, when you're talking about, a fluid guy, yeah, like, you know, when you're talking about a guy who's as, as big and lengthy as he is. Um, and so I, you know, I think even though he's, he's struggled a bit, um, you know, in the, in the summer session, I, I do think he's a guy that, you know, projects well as a shooter. Yeah. And may, maybe it's not, you know, a 43% three pointer, you know, or three point shooter, uh, you know, after a couple of years, but, you know, it's certainly a guy who I think, you know, mid to high thirties isn't out of the question. Yeah. And in the EYBL, the three point line, isn't the college line or even the high school line. It's the NBA line. So you're really pushing guys three to four feet back from where they're used to catching and shooting. So when his normal setup and distance is going to be a deep two for him. So you're really stretching guys a little bit there. You're also playing with a 24-second shot clock. High schools don't. So you're playing at a really, really much faster clip. You know, possessions are unfolding faster, and you're having to shoot from longer distance. It's just a different type of setup. Like, I think if I'm looking at what he did before July, I'm looking at right now, he was 23 of 52, you know, before July from three-point range, from NBA range. So, yeah, he's he's struggled in July. The numbers aren't good. There's no way around that. but there were also, you know, 15 games before that where he was shooting around 40% from NBA range, you know, off about three to four attempts per game. So pick your sample size for whichever one you think you <laughs> want to buy. But um, on tape, the shot mechanics look really good. Um, and the thing I like about him and I think I like about Robinson, too, is they, they don't let their shooting performance trickle in or bleed over into the what they do defensively. You know, both those guys guard really hard. They're engaged. You know, they do what they're supposed to do on that end. It doesn't affect, you know, Robinson's passing, and it doesn't affect, you know, Pierce getting on the glass, doing what he's got to do. I think that's heartening, too, is, you know, they, they're able to sort of compartmentalize those offensive struggles, and they're able to do other things on the floor that give them some value. So I think that that should, should be a little bit heartening as well. Uh, and so currently, he, last I saw he was like 80th. Um. Yeah, he's around 80th 
in the composite around 90th and 247's uh, individual rankings there, like what their site does. So it's if you're looking for a comparable rating, it was what Trey Jackson was a couple of years ago. Um, and we, we love the Trey Jackson pickup. Different type player, but again, that was sort of the thing where you looked at him and you said, man, there's a lot of tools here. If you develop them right, you've got a really, really nice 3-4 hybrid. Yeah, and I, I just sort of like, uh, I, even though I, I think people will know how high I am on Aiden Shaw, and I just, I, I, anytime you can kind of get multiple sort of long, lengthy wings who can defend and knock down outside shots, like that's going to really open up uh, the middle of the floor. And it's just something that Missouri hasn't had, Matt. They have not had. Uh, consistent three-point shooting, really, since uh, what Zoe's first or second year. Second, second year, they yeah. they shot pretty well down the stretch, but yeah, um, yeah that first year they were, they were great. I think that's the one thing is I've sort of watched here. If you look at the shot volume for a lot of the guys that they're looking at, it's a healthy enough one where I think you could feel comfortable talking about what it looks like at this level. You know, guys, you know, we could talk about this kid in a little bit, but a kid like Parker Friedrichson's shooting seven three balls a game you know, on a shoe circuit, you know, that's, that's healthy volume. That's something you can look at and, you know, look back at his high school stats and say, you know, it's, it's always kind of fickle how people translate to college. It's not perfect. There's no one-to-one correlation, but, you know, we're not squinting at the sample size here. We've, we've got a robust amount of shots here to look at. And, you know, I think it, it feels good to look at guys who are shooting, you know, for extended periods, 35, 36, 40% over eight to 10 game stretches. You know, there's some swings here with some of these guys, but there are stretches where they're shooting the ball well off high volume. And I think that that's heartening to see that this staff is finding guys, whether they can get a premium sort of skill in today's game. And that's some shot making. Shooting, Matt, is, uh, is important. Who'd have thought? Yeah. <laughs> scoring matters man that's that's our yeah. hitting analysis you got to score points Making to win points is good uh yeah so uh, i think we can kind of transition in from there into like sort of what you can kind of see happening with the rest of the class um you know i, I talked about it in scholarship math like there's still some sort of buffer numbers out there because like we don't really know like I, I think pretty much everybody assumes at this point uh that Isaiah Mosley is probably going to be uh in Columbia for for one year although you could do a lot worse than like 250 grand a house and a car uh living in Como like you could do worse um, I would love that <laughs> so he uh Mosley does have another year to play. So does Kobe Brown. Um, you know, but, and Nick Honor, I think also. Uh, Noah Carter, too. Um, Sean East, I think. Well, I, I think that they've listed Noah Carter as uh, as a junior, but I think Nick Honor is listed as a senior. So Nick Honor will have an additional year if he wants it. Yeah. Um, but I believe Noah Carter is, is on the roster as a junior. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think when I talk, when I spoke to Anthony Robinson for a, a piece, he was saying, he said repeatedly, you know, I'm the staff has told me to come in and learn from Nick next summer. And, you know, so I, maybe that's, again, things change, but he was saying like they pitched him on basically apprenticing a little bit with Nick Honor next year. So if you believe that, like, and Noah Carter has said in multiple places that, you know, he's planning, you know, on the next two years. So, we set up to nine, but let's say hypothetically those two stay. You're looking at seven openings, um, at least three. Um, they have an opening right now, so that's four. So I, I think we've always sort of said three to four in the fall seems like a good starting point for for what the size of the class could be. Yeah, I mean, if if I were if I were a college basketball coach, like I would I would try to sign a point guard every class. I would try to sign a big every class. I would try to sign a wing every class. Um, And if you feel like you can take another spot, then you take sort of like best available. Maybe that's a shooter. Maybe that's a, you know, another big, maybe it's another point guard. Um, But I, I would try to do that because I just think as you're sort of developing, um, you're developing guys and they're working their way through the program. 
Um, you still have a little bit of flexibility in the spring if you need it, because there's always going to be somebody who, you know, especially now, like the, you know, Division One Council is recommending that they actually get rid of the one-time transfer rule and just say you can transfer as much as you want. <laughs> yeah, the trade-off, though, which I like, is that there's a two-week window for when that can happen. You know, I'm fine if we're going to let guys move, you know, every year if we're saying, hey, you've got two weeks in which to make your mind up. Because I think that's that's going to do a nice job sort of giving staffs the ability to at least better project numbers um, and have a sense for what's going to happen. But, um, yeah, I'd say three to four. This staff right now has taken, I'm going to say, a ball handler. Um, you know, you look at sort of the profile of how modern offenses work. You know, we could say Anthony Robinson is a point guard, but I think our definition of what that is, even now, has sort of shifted from a guy who's like, felt like Phil Preston. Who's, yeah, it's it's he's not flip. Like he'll come down and he'll initiate a set, but he's not the main driver of the primary action of a set. You know, he'll get to you know facilitating spots within the flow of an action, but he's not the one who you come down and you're like, okay you go make something happen for four other guys. It's it, that, you know, I think he can in certain spots on the floor, but, you know, I'd say he's kind of more of a combo, and now you're almost seeing two combo guards on the floor. Like a pure throwback point guard is, I think, a little bit more rare. Um, but, you know, Robinson's a ball handler. Pierce is a wing. I think the thing that I would want to lock down next is my big. You yeah. know, I think that that's what you need. Um, and we'll see where they go there. Um Aaron Page visited in May, but like I said earlier, I think the farther you get away from visits, um, I think sort of the less stock you put in them. You know, he's planning on visiting IU, uh, Indiana University, in August. Um, you know, IU's got some other people at his position on their board. Um, well, Xavier Booker has some, that's a deep competition for his services, and TJ Power has gotten you know, like Kansas and North Carolina coming in. So if the Hoosiers fade in that race, maybe Page is the guy they take and he'll have visited. So if they feel, I can almost see them saying like, ah, oh, this is, we're, we're fading in the other two races. This kid's here, you know, we have connections in the Atlanta area. Let's lock this kid up and, you know, get get that spot filled. And for him, he may think the same thing. Uh, he's not playing at Peach Jam this week. I think he got hurt. In Kansas City, he took a couple of hard knocks, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, and he hasn't played it all this week. So July is done for him. He's got a visit, and he's going to be two months removed from coming to Columbia. Maybe you don't rule it out, but I just think, you know, what we've seen with this staff quickly getting guys on in the boat after OVs makes me think that Page might be a little bit more of a reach there. The one guy I would keep an eye on who I think, I haven't seen play a full game. I haven't been able to find a stream of him uh, pretty easily is Jordan Butler out of South Carolina, um, brother of John Butler, who played for CY at Florida State. Definitely much more of a traditional kind of big, um, 6'10", 6'11", 7' foot. Uh, has some perimeter skill, but that's the guy that I'm kind of monitoring. And every interview he says, I'm taking a visit to Missouri, and but we'll see when that date gets scheduled. That That to me is the big one. Is it on the books? When is it? And, you know, where does it fall in the pecking order of other schools? Um, but you, you've seen a little bit of Butler, too. I, and I think you're probably higher on him than maybe Page, based on at least what you've told me in the past. I, yeah, I just think he has a little bit more of a versatile skill set. I mean, I, I, I agree with you that he's a little bit more of a traditional big. And, um, you know, I think he I think he fits more with what sort of I, you know, I, I envision with what, you know, Florida State uh has done and what i think cy and and dennis are at least trying to do um you know and i i'm not saying that i like i i would be quite happy if aaron page was the guy like i i think there's lots to like about him um i just think you know butler's just got a little bit more skill yeah um and when it comes to what I think, like, I do think there is, and we've kind of, you know, joked a little bit about it on our Slack with, uh, with, with the other Matt, um, basically kind of talking about, you know, the, 
the different uh, viewpoints of like CY who is very much like on board with what they were doing in Florida State, basically get long athletes and um, and just throw the ball out, let, let them figure it out. Uh, and, and Dennis Gates, who I think adopts some of that, but defensively, I think he does. But if you, if you look at, and again, like, I'll just go back to like his first offer and the 2023 class was to Matt Reed, um, who a uh, good size. I mean, six, nine, um, but more below the rim. Type. <laughs> yeah. He's not somebody you would see Florida state pursuing. Um, very, very skilled, big, good passer. Um, like he's, he's one of those guys that we've talked a little in the past about, you know, sort of being a connector and offense. He finishes well around the rim. He, uh, he can extend the floor a little bit. He can dribble the ball a little bit. Like he's a guy that can do a lot of things. Um, but you don't walk into a gym and, and see Matt Reed and you're like, that guy can play ball. Like there's no Paolo Bancaro <laughs> back there. No. Uh but he's good. He's a really good basketball player. And and I think when you think about uh, you know, somebody like Noah Carter, I think is sort of in that same vein. Um, you know, Noah Carter is a you know, bit of a odd fit. Um at least at the high major level. He's he's really kind of like a hybrid four or five, uh, who can extend the floor and shoot the ball. Uh, he's six, six, maybe on a good day. Um, you know, but I, but I think like, I think, I think Dennis has a, uh, a pretty good idea that he wants guys who can do a lot of things. And while I think Aaron page is a guy who is really good at some things, like he's, he's not a guy who you really want the ball in his hands unless it's right around the rim. Yeah. I, I think the one, when you, to me, it's the, it, you're on, you're making a trade off there. I think you're probably getting a little bit more raw athleticism with page over Butler. Butler's got more length, but I don't know if he's explosive off the floor as page is. I think the biggest test to me is watch what happens when they both get switched onto a guard. And who's got the better ability in that first slide to get to a spot. And if they do get beat, who can flip their hips a little bit and get on and get back and recover? Uh, Page can do that. Page Page is really, really good. He's really fluid. You know, he's got good kind of flexibility in that way. Page is a little bit more stiff. A little, I mean, um, Butler's a little bit stiffer, a little more erect. But he's got size that he can sort of use to contend from behind. And, you know, if he gets on the hip, he's good at walling up and understands how to use it. But I think in space, you probably might feel better with Page. I think if you're on that four five line, Page probably skews more to a four, but he's got enough length and sort of, you know, good first jump, you know, verticality, especially if he's rotating to where he can sort of play your as a five. Butler, if he gets, you know, he's a guy you could put on Oscar or Colin Castle, then you could feel comfortable like him playing with verticality, him jostling for position. But offensively, the toolkit for Butler is really, really interesting. He's a guy who can, you know, play over either shoulder with a hook shot. You know, he can face up and away and shoot a short jumper from the baseline or the short corner um, on on some basic game cutups from huddle. You know, you'll see him, you know, he can put the ball on the floor with one to two dribbles and do some stuff with it. He can, you know, work to an elbow or a nail pull up. He can relocate as a shooter to get into a slot jumper if he needs to, you know, he's got the ability to sort of shoot trail threes. There's some stuff there where I think, you know, I'd say outside of 12 feet where you feel good about him, you know, being able to sort of do some of the things that Noah can do, but you get a little bit more size. So, you know, I think a couple of people I talked to, you know, throughout the summer, just kind of getting, trying to get a sense for how Dennis would want to play. You know, they talk about NBA style and they said, you know, he's watched, the Miami Heat, he's watched the Milwaukee Bucks. You're talking about four fives there that really have to be able to stretch in space a little bit. You know, Brooke Lopez, no one's going to, you know, accuse him of being a high-level athlete, but that guy's been able to play in drop coverage. He's able now to step in and shoot a corner three. You know, Bam and Abayo is probably more in the page model where he can play kind of in that elbow mid-post area. 
So I think there's got to be some fluidity and some skill with your bigs. I'm just curious which one they they sort of opt for or which one they can land in this class. I I, I tend to lean towards Butler just because I think you, you're going to need a traditionalist kind of big some nights in the SEC. But, you know, either one of them, you know, offers some, you know, unique traits that I think you can make work for your system. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, you know, I think when you're talking about, so Butler has sort of more traditional center size, um, you know, but like if, if Pierce is really like touching 6'10", uh, with his length, and you've got Aiden Shaw on the roster. Like, Indiara. are you are you that worried about like whether your center is you know six eight or six ten? And I just I don't think that's something that you really think about. Like, I I tend to I tend to think like what you do is is you get as you get two sort of combo guards who can pressure the shit out of the ball. You get long ass wings uh, who can play on the line up the line. And you get guys that can fast recover, and it doesn't matter how big your center is. <laughs> right. I, I focus probably more on the on the offensive toolkit for what Butler has. I I just I, I like the skill there. That's a preference, you know. But this is again where I think we need to see how this team plays this year, and uh, you know how much stock we put in this year is going to be sort of measured too, because I think as recruiting goes along, we'll see Dennis kind of grow into the style he wants to play at the high major level. But, you know, I just sort of think the big debate is interesting because it's like, do you want to do what you're doing where, you know, hey, let's just trust our switching, our length, our athleticism, our ability to recover and, you know, ball pressure because ball pressure matters too on entering. If, you know, if you can't, you know, we always joke, you know, that post defense starts with on ball pressure and not letting your a big get settled in the post. If you've got long ass wings who are playing online up the line and really hectoring and hassling, you know, guys who've got to make that entry pass, that gives you some room there, you know, to maybe not have a more traditional kind of, you know, body type at the five. So it'll be, again, this is sort of learning as we go here as to how they want to, you know, what they value at each position. But you you could do worse than Butler or Page. And for people who care about recruiting rankings, it's probably going to not make a difference one way or the other as to where Missouri winds up in the recruiting rankings. So it'll, it'll be interesting there. Um Kind of the same deal on the perimeter. We could talk a little bit about kind of the perimeter guys if you want to. Parker. <laughs> I know where your allegiance <laughs> lies, I guess. Is, is it? Uh, so Parker Friedrichsen is, uh, is a, I believe we've been talking about Parker for a while. Um, last that, staff offered him and he visited with the last staff. And he was, he was high in Missouri. Um, you know, and, and with the last staff until it started looking like so was not going to be around to keep <laughs> until Missouri job. was no longer high on <laughs> so is is how that worked. And then he committed to Oklahoma State in March, um, and backed off that commitment within two months. He and his family basically said that like they felt he moved way too quickly. Um, liked Mike Point and liked everything about the staff. You know the usual stuff that happens in a decommit. It, it was him, not them. And he's gone out and. Uh, he's not playing with his local team. He played with the Tulsa Hawks last year, and I think he was going to join Mocan, didn't actually like see any time with them, and now he's playing with Casey Run GMC on the UAA circuit. And we can get into the physical build here, but the kid shoots the shit out of the ball. <laughs> Just coming into this week was 40.9% from three-point range on seven attempts per game in summer. <laughs> Uh, he's he's cool this week, but um, the last um, time that Casey Run GMC played in Atlanta a couple weeks ago, he shot twenty five of fifty five. Oh, you know, just absolutely bonkers. You know, he can get into his shot off movement. Um, he can come off pin downs. You can run him in elevator screens. You can put him in DHOs. You know, you can stagger him. He understands when to use relocation dribbles. It's, it is, you know, there are some holes elsewhere we can talk about, but if you value shooting, if you value a guy who can keep the defense honest, especially on the weak side and keep him from stunning, you, you got to take a look at this kid who, who, you know, recruit Nick's out there will say he, he might be up there as the best pure shooter in the 2023 class. He's, 
you know, he's got arguably probably the most, one of the most important tools you could have in the modern game. It's it. And, and he does it, you know, in plenty of times too. Man, I like guys who can uh, make shots. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, okay. Um, so we, I mean, we liked Parker when the last half was recruiting him. Um, and I was honestly like, I was heartened to hear that, that, uh, you know, Gates and his staff had sort of re-extended that offer, uh, mainly because I, I just like, I don't know that you can ever have too much shooting and, and yeah, you want guys who can also defend. Um, but I, like, I don't think Parker is by any chance, like an explosive athlete, but I think he's a solid one. And I, I think he's clearly, uh, on the light side, um, weight wise, but it, that's something that, I mean, you get him into a strength program. You start, you know, monitoring calories. You make sure he's getting everything that he needs. He'll he'll put on weight. Now, I mean, he's seventeen years old. So, uh, I mean, by the time he's twenty two, he's he might still be fighting, kind of keeping weight on. But I mean, he'll be stronger and he'll be be better. And I think he'll he'll be able to kind of defend at this level. Um, you know, he like he's. He reminds me of like a taller, maybe more athletic, kind of like Riley Lachance. Yeah. Um, just a guy who can just shoot the rock. And I'm like, I'm sorry, like like Lachance is a guy that I I thought, you know, Missouri probably could have recruited and didn't. Um he had a really nice career at at Vandy. Um Getting guys who can shoot the ball strictly from three point range, it's it that's a good thing. And it, you're gonna be able to draw uh, a lot of defensive attention when you're when you are running those pin downs. Um, you know, you think about you know the the screener in that scenario could very easily just like slip the coverage and, and that's what running GMC does. They run a lot of split action. Yeah. Where the where this where it's a guard screening off and if there's that indecision from the screener, he just slips it. And the guy at the top of the screen, the guy at the top of the key is either they're running split action into DHO. So what will happen is Parker will come up from the corner. He'll get a screen from the wing from another guard. That guard can either slice cut away to the corner or he can slip it. He can slip down to the block. And the guy at the top of the key is reading that he can either hand the ball off. And, you know, Parker's coming over the top. He's shedding two defenders in what now has become a stagger almost. And he can shoot it, or he can then hit the slip man. So that there's some fun stuff you can do with him because he can get into shots off movement. I think that's the one thing, especially if you watch how he contrasts with how he plays with his high school team in Bixby, which is outside Tulsa, and what he's doing with Run GMC. Just a blur. You know, we always joked about, you know, Reggie Miller never stopped moving. Parker is just moving a lot and really getting through action. You know, it may be something where he'll run a rip screen for Kerry Booth. So now you've got a guy on the wing who's reading the big cutting off that rip screen to the block. And then it'll be a screen, the screener action for Parker where he's coming up off an elevator screen. So he's setting a screen. You now have a post option there for the read to the post entry, or you can hit him cutting vertically up for a three. You just see a lot of stuff like that where he's playing in multiple actions and he can get into a shot and he's got such a quick release that even if his footwork is off a little bit, he can relocate dribble to the left, get into his shot and, and, and drill it. So I think that's the one thing too, is he understands when to use the relocation dribbles, when his base isn't quite right. It's just, you watch him and think, okay, he's a little bit spindly. Yeah. He might be able to get bumped off in ball screens. Yeah, the athleticism's a little bit average there. You wonder about him in front of some SEC-type point guards. But then you just watch him with off-ball movement and how he gets into his shot, and you're just like, I'm willing to compromise if he's going <laughs> to shoot you know, 37 or 38% off of this. Yeah, And I think that was always the thing, too, that like Missouri's offense didn't have in Conzo Martin. You had guys like a Jordan Barnett who could shoot off the catch on the weak side as a 3 and D or a catch-rip-and-go guy. Maybe you had Cassius Robertson who showed you he could punish 
defenders for going under ball screens, but I'm trying to think, when's the last time Missouri had a guy who you were genuinely terrified of, like, flying off a screen, catching and getting into a shot? Like, I think that's something that, you know, your offense can always use there, as opposed to the defense just being like, hey, you know, Parker just stands in the corner and doesn't do anything. If he's flying off screens and you genuinely have to account for that, I think that that really adds some fun wrinkles to the offense. So um, I really like him, um, but there's definitely some some areas that I think you're going to have to compromise on, um, and we'll, we'll see if that's something that the staff would want to do. But uh, the shot tool and the ability to, you know, to work off of movement is really, really good. Uh, there's also um, Max Christie's little brother. Yeah, Cam. Cam Christie, who uh, is also playing in Chicago this week. Um, I put this in Slack. Would you say that he's he's more of a wing where Parker's kind of more of a combo? If like you had to look at body type and sort of size and just measurables? Uh, yeah, I think that's... That's fair. I, I, as far as I mean, like maybe being a little bit more college ready. I think I think Christie's a little more ready to maybe step on campus. Um, yeah, I mean his, the physical profile is there. Um, I mean, and clearly his his older brother was a you know NBA draft pick. <laughs> so yeah, there's some some advantages there that that sort of just come from you know the bloodline. I think I think Parker. Um, has a more elite uh, skill set um, with his shooting, um, whereas I think Christie is is more of like a guy who's a solid shooter, and and maybe does more things. Yeah, maybe does a few more things better right now. Um, but yeah, I like I. If I if if I were designing the roster, like I you know Parker would be my guy. I just I I, I like a guy who can stretch the floor uh, to all levels, forces defenses to shift, uh, and can get his shot off in a phone booth. You know, like and and that's just one thing. Twenty eight feet too. Yeah, like I just and I just don't I don't see that from Christie. I I think he looks like a he's a I, comparing them probably isn't the best thing, but I I do sort of think they're probably looking for at the same spot. Um, if it were me, I would, I would, and Parker, if Parker wanted to commit tomorrow, I would take it. Yeah. And again, this is one of those things where we have to, I, you kind of have to compartmentalize the sample size because it's been a brutal spring for, for Christie offensively, you know, coming into the week, just 35% shooting, including 32% from three point range. You know, if you're, you know, it's been touted that he can sort of have a little bit of a creative role. Well, he's got a 1.0 assist to turnover ratio, 1.4 BCI score. Um, he had seven assists today, which is good. But, like, as a secondary facilitator, like, the numbers don't really back up the idea that, you know, he's he's out of the box that way. Um, I, I do think that what he's got going for him is he was really lean last year at Rolling Meadows High in Chicago his body's kind of filled in like the game isn't similar, but I, I sort of see the body type the same way. It's like Christian Braun or Christian Brown. You know, we watch it with Mo King like, Oh, he's kind of, you know, when's the body going to start filling in particularly like in the chest and shoulders. And you can start to see it now from, from cam. He's starting to fill in and get a little bit more mature. He's got wide shoulders. He can probably take some more weight there. Um, but you know, in high school, you know, he averaged 22, four and three last year. Shot 53% from two, 42% from deep, 93% from the line. Um, he's, you know, local scouts there, you know, I think that I would, you know, put some stock in like Scott Burgess or Joe Hendrickson are saying, you know, he's up there with Data Ames is the best 2023 kid in the state. So that's not for nothing. I mean, that, you know, if you include the Chicago metro area there, I mean, he's, you know, he's performed well there. Um, had a really good June at a team camp before he got banged up. I think he hurt his wrist. It's still taped, but you know, so maybe the shoe circuit performance hasn't been great, but you know, the scoring numbers and the shooting numbers are good elsewhere. Um, you know, local scouts see a ton of them like him, you know, national 
rankings aren't quite as high. He's a borderline top 150 kid in the composite. But, you know, I, I, if you're asking, you know, who's physically ready, like you said, I think you could put him on campus next year. Um, I think he's stronger as a driver right now. Um, the finishing package is is rough, but, you know, he can at least get to the rim. He understands how to use his length to at least try to finish over people. Um, and he does different stuff like the Wolves today, the team he plays for, you know, we're running him in traditional Bill Self high-low looks. They're having him duck in and be the sealer, and he scored, you know. So there's there's some interesting stuff there. Um, So it feels like, to kind of piggyback off what you were saying, like, Parker's got an elite shot tool. And is that enough to sort of override all the other things? Whereas Cam, it's like, okay, maybe there's a little bit more even distribution of, you know, no, sort of promise across the body type and the skill set. But do you buy the shooting, you know, being kind of consistent there? And, you know, I almost think you've got kind of a more traditional wing in Pierce, you know, so if you wanted to try and get a combo in Parker, who can initiate some stuff, you know, who can make some second side reads as a, you know, as a driver, you know, if he attacks a closeout, he, you know, he can, find guys, you know, dumping to the short corner. He can find the baseline cutter. He knows how to read a secondary defender. I don't know. You could kind of say, hey, we've got a second. We've got a guard who can give us a little bit of extra ball handling and he can just shoot the living crap out of the ball. It, so I think it's really dependent upon what you think the roster composition is, but both two intriguing options that I think you, you could sort of fill in around um, in the backcourt. So it, the other thing about Christie, I think, too, is it's been rumored that Minnesota's the leader for him, but he said today that he's wants to use his OVs to go see Mizzou, Virginia, Villanova, and Cal. And um, Virginia and Villanova are, have traditionally done well with guys like him. So yeah. if, if they're on him, you know, or and they're serious about giving him a look, then then I think, you know, I'll, I'll trust um, – you know, those staffs and their sort of evaluation abilities, obviously. So, uh, I, I don't know that there's anything else to, to cover for the class. No, I, I you good. I, I'm good. I, I think we've, we've finally been able to give folks kind of the, um, really, really way too myopic view uh, of these prospects, but there's about, I'm looking at the 2023 list. There's more names, but I think we're at the point where, you know, I think you've said in the past, like what a recruit does at this point sort of matters more than just the offer. Are they talking about you a lot and saying the staff is all over me? Am I scheduling a visit or have I visited? And, you know, I think there's probably those four names are kind of where we are right now. Um, We'll see if any other ones come in. You know, I know that they've, you know, they offered Michaela Rich, who had a really, really good, you know, performance a couple of weeks ago. But it really kind of feels like there are three or four guys that say they want to take visits right now, and that's Friedrichsen, Christie, and Butler. And I haven't seen anybody else in the twenty-three class, you know, say, "Hey, I'm looking to line something up here." So it feels like. Those are sort of, and then Paige is a guy who they watched a lot in Kansas City. You know, it feels like those are just kind of the four guys, you know, our staff showing up to watch you. Are they trying to get you on campus? Are you talking about them a lot? Those are kind of the four guys right now that, that seem to kind of hit the criteria uh, that I would sort of want to keep an eye on going into the August and September. Yeah, and there could always be surprises, but in the meantime... Uh, I, I'm just thrilled that we, we get to be again, the optimistic podcast <laughs> instead of, instead of before the box score. Well, Hey, it, uh, it, it, it's weird. It's weird. Just got a four star wide receiver uh, commitment. Um, going to break news, I guess that was about 15 minutes ago. Uh, Joshua Manning from Lee summit, Lee summit North. I don't know. Um, one of the Lee summits uh, committed to the university of Missouri. Well, that's good. Now, now they've got two of the top twelve recruits in the state over Maybe. over Kansas State. Matt, the EMAW taking a hit. Emo. But 
Doesn't yeah, Manning's got a brother on Mizzou's campus, so I I kind of wondered when he p- pushed that back, if it was from the family being like, hey, how about you just go be with your brother? How about you just do that? Yeah, um, there's pr- probably a slightly better nil package involved too. Perhaps, but <laughs> I'm just glad that you know BK and and Nate get um, a little bit of get their own optimistic uh, bite at the apple next week. Um, we we certainly uh, got ours tonight, um, but it's great to finally be talking about prospects and what, what they do on the floor. Well, so, um, so yeah. this is the season five finale. Uh, it is. Of your uh, favorite Mizzou basketball podcast, Dive Cuts. Uh, an SB Nation College Top 10 podcast, Matt. <laughs> um, <laughs> so as you all know, with each season comes... Uh, a new intro song. So if you have some ideas on what you want to hear, feel free to, to send them to me over Twitter. I'll be taking suggestions. I do have a playlist on Spotify that is, uh, I, I call it that dive cuts feeling, which is uh, some suggestions that I've had in the past. Um, so I'm, I'll be on the, the, the lookout the next couple of weeks uh, for new intro music. You got anything you want to hear, Matt? And no, uh, and no, no, it's not going to be the national. Sorry. No, no, I would. I'm trying to think. Um, there's a song I would suggest, but um, it, it's not your usual like 1990s inspired hip hop or electronica. So um, uh, I'll, I'll send it to you, and you can evaluate whether <laughs> or not you like it. But uh, I, I think it would be a little bit more upbeat and a nice change of pace for us. It's it's not uh, Sandstorm by Darude, is it? It it, it is not. It it is it is not. Uh, it's a Chicago punk band. So that's that's all I'll say. That's all I'll say. Well, uh, in the meantime, feel free to to uh, at me on Twitter with your your suggestions for music. Um, all will be taken into advisement. Um, and with that, all uh, with all that being said. And try and get this uh, actually off my tongue. Uh, thanks everybody for tuning in. Um, if you like this podcast, make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast feed for Rockin' Nation podcasts. Uh, that way, you'll also get all your favorite episodes of, you know, sad Mizzou football times with Nate and DK. <laughs> Uh, you can get all this podcast wherever you get your podcast: Apple Podcasts, Google Play Store. If you are subscribed, uh, it will it will help. It will help everybody. You can share those uh, uh, those episodes with your friends and family. Let them know how much you love Mizzou basketball and Mizzou football. Uh, hopefully, we'll have a Mizzou wrestling podcast coming this fall, uh, possibly. And uh, wrestling school, yeah. <laughs> also, uh, yeah. Head over to rockamation.com, read all the stuff there. Follow Matt on Twitter at MattJHarris85. You can follow me at Sam T. Snelling. Any and all complaints about this uh, this podcast will need to go to Levi. Um, we're out of here. We'll try to do better next time. Uh, I think actually Nate says that. <laughs> um, so until then, thanks everybody for being here.